Welcome to the Learning Exchange, where L&D and HR professionals can dig deep into the ever-changing landscape of online learning and talent development. Each episode, we'll explore innovations in learning and discuss best practices with special guests from inside and outside the learning world. L&D is evolving, and the Learning Exchange is here to help you keep pace. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Learning Exchange. Um, Today, I've got a special treat for you. So last week, I was having a conversation with my coworker, Karen. And as we were talking, it occurred to me that the conversation we were having is something that you guys could benefit from. So I thought, let's just bring her on the show and uh, let you into that conversation. So with that, Karen, welcome to the party. Really excited to have you. you here on The Learning Exchange. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for asking me to uh, join you today. Uh, it's my pleasure. And for those of you that are are not familiar, Karen is a new hire at Scoop. So mm-hmm. really excited. Not only did she get to come on board, but she came on board and she is hitting the podcast pretty early. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Just Nothing like get me in. <laughs> dancing the dance that trainers do. Right. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited. So thanks. Thanks for having this conversation. Oh, it's uh, thank you. So. Um, for those that are listening, the conversation that we started to have last week was really, you know, we were talking about building out our own learning and development activities and really restructuring a lot of L&D at Skooks internally. And as we started going through this process, uh, we found ourselves really talking about how you how you push against the easy pitfall that we have in, in learning, which is how do you, how do you not become an order taker while still maintaining some level of healthy pushback and, and Mm -hmm. like, I guess saying it more simply, how do I earn the ability to say no to someone and not have them take that no to five other people before it turns into a yes. And on the flip side of that, how do I just not become the yes man order taker? uh, Anytime somebody raises their hand and says, I have a need for, for training. So for, for those listening, that's really the, the root of our conversation today. And uh, so we'll just dive right in. Um, so Karen, as we were talking last week, it you know kind of came up, uh, how, how do we go through the process of saying yes, where it makes sense? How do we say no, where it makes sense? And how do we fight that fight so that we don't settle into being an order taker? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are your thoughts and some of your experiences? You know, that's a great question because it's interesting and it depends on the organization. Many times uh, you'll have, um, say, a stakeholder come up to you and say, you know what, I, you know, I'm having this issue and I, I would like you guys to create um, this kind of training. So they already jumped to the solution really quickly. And what I found uh, what works best is, you know, you really have to look at yourself as a consultant or a learning partner and really think about uh, asking the right questions. We all do training needs analysis, but really put that into play. Um, but what you were mentioning earlier about not going around to five different places, um, how you avoid that is, again, being a training partner, but what does that really mean? And so then you have to think about, well, a training part, you know, a learning partner doesn't just happen overnight, 
but it will happen. <laughs> like a Pantene <laughs> commercial. And, uh, you know, and it's funny. I think of order taker. It's like, we're not flow from uh, Mel's diner. We can't say kiss your grits because <laughs> that's going to push people away. So you have to really, you know, you have to earn their respect and to, you have to act like a learning partner and learn the lingo, you know, start really learning the business so that you can start to incorporate that into um, your conversations and really understanding instead of that person coming to you and saying, um, you know, we need this training. Well, in your head, you know what we're all thinking, really? You know, they really need it. But instead, <laughs> yeah, but instead, we know that training is not the only solution. And so, but your job is to not just say, nope, can't do it. You know, kiss my grits. <laughs> but no, you have to just say, well, you know, let's uncover some things. Let's, you know, tell me more about the problem. You know, you're, you're like a doctor. You're diagnosing to find out what that solution will be so that you can give the the appropriate solution back to them, um, but there's there's right ways and wrong ways to do it. And um, again, if you just say no and they go around to five different people, then of course you're going to get someone who is you really are going to start to build that wall. And um, so you sometimes it's you know what yes and you know that's always a popular answer, and maybe it's okay sure you know what you want that training but yes and let me offer a solution until you start to really gain that credibility, you you know you do a little research you come back with the metrics and then you can prove out you know what okay your 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 way you know this is the results you got and you know this you know sometimes data is what really you know, helps drive the right answers, but, um, you know, just making sure that you're very inclusive and um, when you're offering your solutions. There was, there was a lot of goodness in there. And I think uh, <laughs> yeah, I two, said a lot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> two things I wanted to pick up on. Um, one is really, I think it's really important for people to understand uh, it's not going to happen overnight. And it's about, being consistent, it's being persistent, and it's looking for ways to kind of pivot in the way that you described, which is kind of moving from that yes to yes and where that when you bring that and you kind of start to open the door to earn the trust and earn the respect and earn the credibility. Uh, and over time, that yes and becomes, hey, I've got a question as opposed to, hey, I've got a need for training. Um, because to, to your point in that also a lot of times in my own career, I've heard, Hey, I need training on X and, and about 70% of the time, what's really needed is communication. It's not training. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, I need you to write a really, really well-crafted message to communicate this thing. And people really easily fall into that trap of, well, if it's coming out of the training department, uh, the learning department, the talent department, whatever it's called sure. at your company, um, we kind of do it all. So we're master communicators, but it can be very easy for the rest of the business to not understand the functional difference between training and communication. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I really loved is the... Uh, the way that you likened the experience to think of yourself as a doctor. Um, and much like I really believe in my own life, I don't want my doctor to treat 
the symptoms. I want my doctor to treat the patient. Right. Right. So we have to be able to have those diagnostic conversations with whoever is expressing the need, Mm -hmm. or we actually proactively go to them. Hey, I'm out there kind of checking things out and I figured uh, I wanted to see if there's anything I could do for you. Can I help you in any way from a learning perspective? What's going on in your your part of the business? What challenges do you have? Mm -hmm. And then as you hear those things, start to formulate what could be some recommendations or some solutions that come from a place of, of learning. I think that's absolutely, I couldn't agree more. Um, You know, I think about, um, you know, one of the things I asked you right whenever I started is who, who are my key stakeholders and who should I meet with? And, you know, building that partnership automatically is so important. And I would just suggest anyone, you know, listening, if you haven't already done that, I would start to figure out who, who is, who are those people that you need to build those partnerships with and ask them, you know, it's like doing a monthly needs analysis so that you can be on top of it and you can go into like coming to the solution already um, when that's needed so that they already start to see you as, okay, I'm not, you know, that person is not here just to go, okay, you know, here, here's what I need. Instead, they're listening and able to create a solution that makes sense because they know my business. They know who I am. It, uh, you know, for several of the episodes already, I have brought in some element of culture and some element of relationship building. These are two, Mm -hmm. I think, very critical factors for any learning professional to really understand anytime you start in an organization Um, I also liked that you brought forward the recommendation of not only identifying who the stakeholders are, but really setting in motion an effort to build an active relationship, having a monthly checkpoint or a a recurring checkpoint could be Mm -hmm. monthly, could be twice a month, could be twice a year, but having that recurring checkpoint also signals to them that you understand the world changes every day, which means learning happens every day. Um, every yeah. time I look in it, I can look this way, whatever I just saw when I looked that way is new information. My brain is processing. And mm-hmm. so that is very much a, uh, kind of goes into that vein of learning is continuous. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times businesses can right in the hustle and bustle. At some point we go from prioritizing it as number one to deprioritizing it to number 10, and that uh, that puts us back in the position of being firefighters. And I've, I've mm-hmm. talked about the firefighter learning experience a couple <laughs> of times in my career and in podcasts yeah. and, and webinars. And I think a lot of organizations, uh, certainly before the pandemic, found themselves in that spot where they were just operating from a pure reactionary perspective. It's like, oh, there's a problem. Go, go fight that fire. Hey, learning, go fix that thing. Oh, go over there, fix that thing. And in 2020, I think a lot of that pain was really exacerbated. I think a light was shined on it quite, quite brightly. And Mm -hmm. people started to realize we can't navigate the kind of change. You know, if, if we didn't have a pandemic, then the change we've been experiencing is small and incremental and it's micro in, in many cases. So we don't feel it as much. But in 2020, I think every pain we've ever had was exposed. And I've heard a lot of people actually raise their hand and go, yep, 
that's me. I'm firefighter. Um, right. I live in that lane and I don't know how, and I don't know how to transition. And so I, I usually angle into, if you can figure out the competencies, kind of define a core set of skills and competencies and, mm-hmm. and just areas to focus on. Then as you align all of your learning to that, you start to get a baseline, which gives you a much more predictive view. Right now, right. I know if these skills equal success, if one of those things is less than, then I need to make sure I'm constantly churning on that wheel to get skills in place and to get competencies mm-hmm. mastered so that we don't have to fight fires. We right. become fortune tellers at that point. We, be, we become able to see <laughs> the future and know that there is, oh, we had somebody leave that was really strong in this particular area. That's going to create a deficit, which will eventually lead to a performance issue. We have to figure out how to like scale and, mm-hmm. and hold the line in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that you brought up uh, during that discussion was how 2020 has really changed us. And I think back on how we continue to create that learning partnership and how that has also changed our own relationships with the people we work with. And, um, and I think about now more than ever, if you're, you know, if you aren't face to face, you know, luckily we are we have Zoom and we have MS Teams and all kinds of other mechanisms where we can meet virtually. And, you know, I think it's so important that when you are having these conversations, turn that uh, camera on. And I mean, really, it's just the little things, but, you know, creating, creating still those meetings, but doing them virtually, you can still create that partnership. It may feel different, but um, I, I think that we can still be, a partner, even in these strange times. I, I think, um, you know, in 2020, uh, certainly at the very beginning of the year, March, April timeframe, when everybody was really trying to scramble and figure out how to come together and navigate in a virtual environment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all, we all got pretty skilled at figuring out how to hold the virtual meetings. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, let me, let me rephrase that. We got skilled at how to attend the virtual meetings. I think a lot of uh, a lot of people out there uh, in in a scramble were like, "Oh, I've got these things that I normally teach in their PowerPoint mm-hmm. slides." And right, I'm in a room. Let me just slap that into a Zoom. That didn't work. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't work. There's a lot to be considered. <laughs> right. and, and I I joke with people all the time. If if you've watched the the video version of this podcast, you've noticed that. Um, something about my environment has changed in every single podcast, whether it was my hair. Um, I've had a few different hairstyles in the last 17, 18 episodes. I have changed the orientation of my room. I've rotated my desk. I've put in a new desk. Um, and today, I've got right, new friends here in the background with yes, me, bringing a little bit more that. of my personality out. <laughs> but um, there's always something different. And, and that's one tactic that I actually, uh, one of the webinars I was on, last year, uh, somebody was talking about finding some unusual and very subtle ways to make virtual meetings more engaging. Mm -hmm. And one of those tips was make something different in your background, one little thing. And eventually you start to create this experience where people are now looking for the different things. So they're excited to come to the meeting. And while they're, while they're there, Right. You're going to, you're going to drop some knowledge on them while they're on this exploration mission. So, you know, right. Find a way to work it in. Um, that same conversation. We also talked about 
uh, utilizing your Zoom background as content in your mm. virtual training program. Oh, so, I like uh, that idea. I have uh, gone so far as to build backgrounds that have slide content built in. So I'll put bullets beside my head and write solid background, virtual background, but you put text over it. Oh, and okay. then now I am in the presentation. So you're looking at me and you're absorbing whatever's behind me. Some of it's going to be subliminal. Um, so mm -hmm. even if you tune me out, you're going to see the three bullets on the slide. You're going to see an image of a bunny rabbit with pancakes on its head. And you're going to go, what's that about? I want to listen. Right. So you're like a Pete Dalkus, you know, with, uh, with the meteorology, <laughs> you've got the state behind you. I see where you're going with that. And I, I like where you're heading. <laughs> so it's all about creating, creating memorable connections. Yeah. Uh, right. So it, it's not just about the, the content, it's really goes back to that relationship and to our, our earlier note in our conversation, uh, relationships are really critical. And there's a lot of ways you can forge those. Sometimes it takes being a little bit unconventional. If you've, if you've tried building a relationship with somebody at work, and maybe you're just not getting the reciprocity, or you're just not, it just doesn't feel like it's a, a fully I don't even know. They're not fully invested in the relationship. You're yeah. giving and they're taking and they're not contributing back. Um, try different tactics. Try to find different ways to to broach the topic, to build that relationship. Figure out something that is unconventional. Make mm -hmm. them laugh. Make them cry. Make Well, maybe don't make them cry. Make them, um, yeah. <laughs> maybe don't make them cry. <laughs> make them laugh. Make them have some sort of like a positive connection that they can yes. come back to. Create that positive experience. You know, one thing that I read that I uh, thought, oh, this is a good point, that even if you aren't quite a learning partner at this point, you can at least act like it. You know, so behave like a learning partner and then, you know, eventually it will happen, you know, where you will be seen as a learning partner. But uh, I thought that was a good point. I'm like, you know, you could still act like it, even if you aren't one at this point. And I say, yeah. if you aren't one, I just can say, if you aren't being seen by your stakeholder quite yet. Absolutely. It is uh, the uh, dress for the job you want, not the job you have. When I was, <laughs> when I was a yeah. kid in sports, it was always put on the uniform you want to play in, not, not what you're doing every day. If mm -hmm. you want to do this, move in that direction. Um, take some action that signals your desire to move in that that direction or your signal to the world you are in that direction. So yeah. I, I do like, you know, approaching every conversation as if you are the de facto learning partner and eventually everyone will see you in that light. Uh, Absolutely. It, it is a, uh, it's a patience game. Um mm -hmm. There's been a lot of really good stuff packed into our, our chat here. I wanted to leave with uh, one. I'll put you on the spot here. So oh, um, no. if you had one tip to give, your number one tip to give to any learning and development professional, what would that tip be? Well, okay, let me ask you a question for your question. Spoken Tim. like a true learning and development profession. <laughs> so uh, are you asking my tip for being a learning partner or just in general? Um, well, uh, let's do the learning partner. To remember that you don't necessarily have all the answers and to do what I'm doing right now, just ask ask questions and eventually you will come up with the, you know, with the right solution, but um, act with grace and um, 
And when I say grace, I mean, you know, act in a way that you aren't going to be off-putting to someone when you are offering up your solutions, but um, just be open and also, well, I'm giving you a lot of tips, so I'm sorry. I, I'm just going to pack it full, but be open and come with it at a place of curiosity and not judgment. And just make sure you ask, um, you know, a lot of good questions to get down to the right answer. Be a doctor, I, be a diagnostician, I, be a doctor, just be a doctor, um, just be a doctor. I, I love all of those. And I, I, I don't think there's anything I could contribute to that list. Uh, the the place where I always start is c- deeply connected to your uh, your tip about asking questions. And for me, it's always always set out to set clear expectations. Whether that is setting clear expectations of what you need or what the other person needs, like always take the time to ask questions, to really understand what's needed and set clear expectations. So everybody knows when we walk away from the conversation, what will happen, what won't happen, what requires more work, what requires more input, uh, what requires them to be a partner in the journey. And I mm-hmm. think that that would be the only other tip, I guess, I guess I lied. So I guess it would be the only other tip I would have is um, in that journey to being a learning partner, looking for opportunities to involve others. I think in in my own career, that was probably the one thing that I didn't do early enough and often enough. When I started doing it, I noticed a tremendous turnaround in the results, um, in the buy-in, in the partnership that was experienced throughout the entire company. And it, it just, right, like take, take the opportunity to look at the needs the person has for the business and then can they contribute and how can they contribute mm-hmm. and find ways to involve them? Because that also really strengthens the relationship when they understand the process you go through, when they understand what it takes to go from, here's this idea I scribbled on a napkin to this 17 week leadership development program. Right. That, right. That's a lot of change that happens, but in their mind, it's, Oh, well, can't you just go buy that? Yeah. And, I can, but in order to make sure I'm buying the right thing, or if I should buy something at all, I have to understand all of the needs. I have to understand all of the mm-hmm. touch points, all of the possible ways we could contribute uh, to make it really sit within our organization the right way. Absolutely. Having them as a reviewer, as a subject matter expert, I think you know that really creates ownership. Absolutely. And it it may, in all fairness, set clear expectations because involving people can extend your timeline, but at the same Mm -hmm. time, it can save you a whole lot of time in the future. Absolutely. So always be thinking two, three, four, five steps ahead. Yep. Well, good. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today for this great chat. Uh, Hopefully everyone listening walked away with at least one or two Mm -hmm. tidbits, maybe 15 or 20. Uh, (laughs) We look forward to seeing you uh, again on next episode of the Learning Exchange. And Karen, I look forward to having you back. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Until next time, stay safe, be kind, and never stop learning. Mm-hmm.